Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? You are listening to The Big Cruise Podcast. Hello and welcome to The Big Cruise Podcast. My name is Chris Frame and today I am a solo traveller. Barry, unfortunately, is unable to join us due to a conflicting schedule. Uh, Lots of changes, lots of things going on in the world at the moment and it's no different to where we are here. Um, So uh, we do apologise, of course, for the... Uh, inconsistency in the podcast so far this year. We will eventually be uh, back in the studio together, able to offer our usual format, and we're looking forward to uh, that happening in the near future. But uh, without uh, dwelling on that for too much, we have got some maritime history based on a couple of listener questions, and then we'll get straight into cruise news. So we'll come back to you with that after this break. Today's Maritime History is inspired by a listener question uh, that has actually been sent through to me from Barry, and it came from a listener called Barry, Uh, but uh, our listener, Barry, actually comes from uh, the United States. So uh, his question was relating to an explanation as to the difference between the reciprocating engines and the turbines, and uh, noted in the the question here that uh, he has heard us talk about it a few times in the Maritime History about how the turbines uh, replace the reciprocating engines. So I thought I could uh, start off with that. It's it's an interesting little story. So reciprocating engines, if you want to visualize them, uh, if you have seen the film Titanic, there is a scene in the movie where towards the beginning when the ship's making uh, its maiden departure from Southampton, the uh, camera comes into the engine room and follows the chief engineer uh, who, who was actually on Titanic was a man named Joseph Bell and he follows him into the engine room and it pans up and it sees these two giant engines that tower multiple stories up uh, with these big pistons going backwards and forwards turning all of the, um, all of the cogs and wheels and, and that sort of thing. And that is a, a representation of Titanic's reciprocating engine. 
Now, reciprocating engines started off uh, with, well, they were sort of a, a piston-driven engine that was utilized on the early steamships. Um, you would have a, a coal-fired boiler um, that would superheat steam, which would then go in through pipes into a uh, into a chamber, then push the the pistons, which would drive uh, the propeller shaft and help um, generate power. Um, as the uh, ships got bigger, the reciprocating engines also got bigger to to power them, and so with more boilers uh, would be required, and they would then feed into. Uh, bigger reciprocating engines and you actually ended up with double and then triple and then quadruple expansion engines where the hot steam would come into the first uh, cylinder and then it would uh, as it was cooling down it would be moved into the separate stages up to four of these uh, to run the uh, the reciprocating engine there and power a ship the size of Titanic. Now in the 1880s um, a, uh, a man named Charles Parsons uh, perfected a technology, the turbine technology whereby these engines could be uh, replaced by smaller, more efficient bladed turbines. So instead of there being the, the giant pistons, the, the um, steam would run into the turbine and would be met by uh, a series of, of blades, um, sort of like, I guess, like um, jet engine uh, turbines if you want to try and visualize them that the blades but they would kind of go through the engine um, in in different stages throughout the, the the core of the turbine and these engines offered a number of benefits firstly they were uh, theorized at the time to be more efficient uh, they were smaller so they didn't take up as much space inside the ship and easier to maintain and required fewer um, engineers and all that sort of stuff so uh, this is a new technology in the 1880s, uh, but of course, shipping companies, navies around the world, they're all used to running on the reciprocating engine. Uh, it is the, the known way to transport people, to, to move ships and to, to operate um, these big vessels. So, uh, what, what to do? Now, Charles Parsons himself, he was very keen to showcase this technology, and he built a, a small ship um, called Turbinia, <laughs> named after, of course, the turbine, and uh, fitted it with the turbine and actually set sail during a naval review in honour of Queen Victoria. So a very prestigious event um, in, in the Jubilee year for Queen Victoria, and uh, all of the Royal, well, not all of them, but many of the Royal Naval ships were in the harbour to be reviewed. Um, and uh, Charles Parsons aboard Turbinia started sailing this um, turbine-powered ship around these Navy ships, and it was fast, and it was manoeuvrable, and it was efficient, and the Navy tried to chase it away, but they couldn't keep up with it. And, you know, this is actually quite quite bad behavior, really, if you think about it, um, and he could have got himself into a lot of trouble. But the, the Navy, the Royal Navy, actually saw the benefit of this, and they actually started... To discuss with him about the idea of using turbines in the Royal Naval vessels. And so the Royal Navy was among the first to embrace turbines. Um, and then following on from that, uh, commercial shipping companies on the North Atlantic particularly started to take an interest in it as well. And, um, you know, I sound like a broken record always bringing Cunard into it, but they were one, one of the first to identify the benefits of, um, of the turbine. 
and actually had um, on paper decided to utilize turbines uh, on board the, the at the time yet to be built so we're talking about the sort of turn of the 20th century now um, and they were they were planning to build the Lusitania and Mauritania 700 plus foot long ships that were going to be able to capture the speed record um, and operate on the North Atlantic but um, you know on paper this all looks good but they, they they'd never really seen it in operation on a large-scale liner before for, for their own own benefit so they were already working on two other ships smaller ships than Lusitania Mauritania the Coronia and the Carmania and these ships were completed with Coronia using the reciprocating engine and Carmania having turbines installed and Cunard this is of course in the era before um, computer simulation so it really was the best way to to test the technology was to build a real one um, and, and put it into the ship so they operated these two ships and they were able to see uh, Carmania with the turbine was was had better fuel efficiency she was easier to maintain she was more um, uh, uh, efficient I suppose as a liner uh, than Coronia with the reciprocating engine so it kind of validated their decision to use turbines in Lusitania and Mauritania. Now other shipping companies were a bit more, I should mention actually before I go on, from that point onwards Cunard used turbines in their ships pretty much exclusively right up until QE2 in 1967. So it was a big shift um, from one type of technology to another. Now other shipping lines were a little bit more conservative um, the White Star Line, for example, Britannic and Olympic, and uh, the the third ship, uh, Britannic, in that uh, Olympic class, they actually had three propulsion engines. They had uh, the two reciprocating engines, and then they also had a central turbine. And so, rather than uh, uh, taking on the the turbine completely, like Cunard did, they used a blend of the two technologies. And so, the turbine was a central turbine. It operated the central propeller. There were three propelled ships, and um, uh, it would uh, it would take uh, the steam from from the uh, the excess steam from the reciprocating system, and it would run the turbine. So they were not willing to sort of go all in on the turbine, but they did they did utilize it. Other shipping companies also used uh, turbines. Um, some moved to diesels sooner than than others. Um, and of course, by the sort of 1970s, we started to see the the end of the turbine, and um, most of the new ships were then powered by diesel engines. Uh, but the turbine technology is still used these days. Of course, it powers most of our electricity. Um, Coal-fired, gas-fired power plants um, utilize turbines. Um, hydroelectric uses a, a water. Um, driven turbine so the the technology itself is still very much part of our everyday lives so I hope that answers the question Barry and thanks so much Barry for sending it on <laughs> um, and uh, we'll come back after this little break um, to look at cruise news If, like me, you're not a great fan of fast fashion and you prefer to do things uh, a little bit more sensitively, if you can, all of our Big Cruise podcast merchandise is uh, sourced using only organic cotton, produced using only green energy, and there is zero plastic used in any of the process or packaging. Um, it's a great alternative to uh, buying a cheap souvenir T-shirt. You can buy merchandise with the 
big cruise podcast logo, or you can design your own. Simply jump on. We've got a whole heap of different uh, designs, different styles of clothing as well. And once again, it's all organic, it's all green energy, and there's zero plastic in the whole production. You'll find the link to how to do that in uh, the show notes for each and every episode, but just jump on the website, the big cruise podcast, and look in the top right-hand corner. So thank you so much to Baz, who's curated the cruise news, and these are some of the stories that caught our eye this week. Uh, looking in the Australian cruise market first, and P&O in Australia, whilst still um, enduring the cruise pause, much longer than most other shipping lines around the world, um, has actually started to ramp up their preparations for a return to service with a series of flash sales. Uh, we've just uh, been witnessing these coming through over the last week. Uh, the latest one is uh, a whole heap of highly discounted uh, voyages, starting at around $75 per person per day uh, with trips to places such as Morton Island, Tangaluma, uh, and also a 1980s-inspired theme cruise uh, where you can you know, really embrace your inner 80s uh, personality with uh, neon-inspired uh, decorative themes here. And that is a three-night cruise that uh, actually starts from as low as Australian um, to rather 279 Australian dollars per person twin share for the three nights. So, you know, as the cruise market comes back into um, into operation, there is, of course, a lot of great deals to be had. And P&O Australia is making sure that people feel nice and secure and confident coming back into the cruise market, which we are hoping will open sometime in Australia later this year. Sticking with P&O, but moving across to P&O UK, and there's been a milestone event in the construction of their latest ship, the 184,000-ton Avia, which is under construction at Germany's Mayerwerf shipyard in Papenburg. Uh, they've now had the coin-laying ceremony, which of course is an important uh, tradition, uh, where they have the uh, coin of the ship's port of registry um, re- uh, welded into the uh, into the body or the hull of the ship, as it is in this case. Uh, this time, they've actually collect- selected some Barbados coins, uh, which were uh, placed in here on board Avia. Which is a little bit different because usually the coin that's placed in the ship has something to do with its port of construction or port of registry, but Barbados coins have been selected because it will be the ship's winter home port. Uh, so that's a little bit interesting, a little bit different and something that is um, unique to this particular ship. Um, the keel itself, which is the, the base block of the ship, weighs in at 570 tons uh, and that's 11.3 meters in length. Uh, in terms of the, the scope and size of that particular piece of um, of metal. So it just gives you a good idea as to how mammoth the ship will be when just that one block is 570 tonnes. Shifting back to the Australian and New Zealand market and our friends at Norwegian Cruise Line have let us know that they're going to be offering a special cruise first bonus offer for passengers who book before the 28th of February 2022. Now this will see um, some savings of around, well up to 35% on certain fares and a whole heap of access to some free at sea packages uh, which cover things such as beverage packages, shore excursion credits and Wi-Fi. There's a number of uh, different voyages that the company is highlighting uh, with uh, several of them catching my eye including a nine-day Baltic cruise um, from Copenhagen uh, which will take in ports in Germany, Sweden and Russia, as well as Finland, and that's in August of 2022. And then there's also some home port cruises 
for Australian and New Zealand travellers, uh, including a 12-day New Zealand and Australia voyage, uh, which is going to be leaving Sydney in February of 2023. And it will be, um, you know, allowing you to take in a variety of different um, sights and sounds and experiences between Sydney and Auckland. And that's on board the Norwegian Spirit. So we'll be looking forward to that all happening in 2023 as the Australian cruise market comes back to life. Our friends at Aida Cruises, uh, one of the leading cruise lines in Europe, has uh, let us know that the athlete, uh, Christina Vogel, has been selected to christen the new ship, Aida Cosma, uh, which will take place on the 9th of April in Hamburg. Uh, this ship itself is one of the LNG-powered ships that the company is bringing into its fleet. And they say that 300 drones with uh, lights attached to them and modern beam lights will be used to make the ship sparkle during the naming ceremony. In sadder news, Seaborn has made the decision to delay the introduction of Seaborn Venture. Uh, it was originally expected to enter service in April of this year, but it will now be joining the fleet in July. Uh, this is, uh, of course, you know, there's lots of things that are coming up and, uh, and challenging the cruise lines even now. And despite most of the, uh, uh, the cruise ships around the world having successfully um, entered service, there is, of course, some challenges in bringing new ships online as well. Uh, they will be transferring uh, people who are booked on the ship uh, to other voyages aboard Venture and will be in touch with those affected guests. Uh, but you can find out more details about that in the show notes. Now, if South America or Antarctica is on your bucket list, you'll no doubt want to check out Scenic Luxury Cruises, um, who have just released its 2023-24 Scenic Eclipse Luxury Voyages. Uh, This includes a whole heap of fly cruise offers, uh, which will allow you to explore Antarctica on the luxurious vessels of their fleet. In Australia, whilst we are still waiting for clarity on what's going to happen with the reopening of the cruise industry, the uh, CDC in the United States has just recently, in fact, it's only only yesterday when this was recorded, uh, lowered its advisory, its risk advisory um, for cruises from level four or very high, which it has been at since uh, uh, December of last year, to uh, level three or high, uh, which is a step down in the risk category there for cruising in the United States. And following on from Barry's comment last week about Crystal Cruises, sadly it does look like the writing is on the wall uh, with various news outlets reporting that the company has now appointed uh, Michael Mockier and Associates uh, to look after the company's uh, non-ship assets with an estimated $100 million being held by uh, credit card companies for bookings that were made on Crystal Cruises. Now, what about the ships? Well, those ships that were in the Crystal Fleet weren't actually owned by the company, but they were on a charter, uh, and they have now been um, returned to the owners. So, yeah, a really sad uh, ending to a company that has delighted so many people and was such a important company in the uh, luxury market. And you notice uh, not really that long ago that Crystal was expanding and, in fact, even looked at perhaps reviving the former SS United States and uh, refurbishing it and bringing it back into service after all those years of layup uh, for a little maritime history connection there. But sadly, Crystal looks like has um, definitely gone the way um, of so many other companies that were impacted uh, during financial downturns over the years. Uh, Of course, things like the Great Depression, um, world wars, and of course, COVID and other pandemics do take their their toll on shipping companies uh, globally.
But unhappier news for a luxury brand will pivot across to Regent Seven Seas Cruises, which continues to go from strength to strength. They've now uh, announced that they are releasing a series of European voyages, uh, magical European voyages, in fact, is how they've described it to us, uh, on board their luxurious cruise ships. Now, they'll have four ships sailing in Europe uh, throughout 2022 and 2023. These include the uh, Seven Seas Explorer, the Seven Seas Splendor, Seven Seas Voyager, and Seven Seas Navigator. And the standout for me is a voyage on the Seven Seas Splendor that is uh, departing in June of next year. Uh, it's a Copenhagen to Stockholm voyage, and it's uh, a 10-night cruise that takes in a number of ports, including Berlin, uh, ports in Poland, Lithuania, Latvia, uh, Estonia, and then Helsinki in Finland, uh, with uh, an overnight stay in St. Petersburg in Russia. So what a fantastic itinerary that looks like, and uh, 10 nights on board one of those luxury ships sounds like a very nice way to spend 10 days, if you ask me. So that's about it for cruise news for this week, but if you come back after the break, we'll finish up with one final listener question from our friend Gary. Hello, it's me again. Just wanted to thank those of you that have supported us via Buy Me A Coffee. Um, If you're not familiar with that uh, system, it's a little bit like Patreon, where you can support your favourite YouTuber or artist. Um, We use Buy Me A Coffee, which is basically because we love coffee. Um, And in a nutshell, you can donate the cost of a coffee, about four Australian dollars, or multiple coffees if you prefer. Um, And in return, you receive priority access to all of the podcasts. So it doesn't matter where you listen to your podcast. If you support us via Buy Me A Coffee, you'll receive an email every week um, just saying the new podcast is live and available. Here's the link, or listen to it in your favourite podcast. And uh, it gets to you about... 12 to 24 hours before anybody else gets access to it so it's a a great little bonus there and uh, once again it's about four Aussie dollars Um, one coffee multiple coffees you decide but every little donation is greatly appreciated and just a reminder you can find the link uh, to buy me a coffee in the show notes on the website and uh, also via the buy me a coffee app thanks in advance Welcome back, and as I mentioned before the break, we have a one last listener question for this particular episode. Uh, it comes from Gary, who's been a long-time listener and has very kindly donated us a couple of coffees over the last uh, couple of years, so thanks so much, Gary, for being in touch. Uh, Gary was asking what the uh, reason is behind ships' cabins being referred to as staterooms. Staterooms themselves is a a word that was used not just on ships, but it's actually uh, quite commonly used, particularly in older times, to refer to a room that is designed to accommodate or or host um, distinguished peoples. So it was a step above a general um, accommodation or a a general cabin, in fact, if you were talking about it on the ship. Uh, Ships like, say, for example, Titanic, one which we all know from films and books, the, the first class, top class cabins were referred to as, as staterooms. Um, now, the uh, stateroom itself on a ship, these days, so many cruise lines utilize the term. Uh, and in fact, if you look back as, uh, just as recently as the 1980s and 1990s, you'll find in, in brochures uh, for, for various cruise lines, uh, that those top cabins were sometimes referred to as staterooms, but companies were much more willing to refer to their cabins as cabins. Uh, and in fact, uh, I remember from being on QE2 back in the 90s uh, that uh, your cabin on one deck in the Queen's Grill class was still called a cabin. 
but now it's kind of pretty much used uh, across the board as a way to describe the cabin on board a ship. It really is, I think, uh, a bit of a marketing and public relations exercise uh, because if you've got an inside cabin with no window, it is not a stateroom. Uh, but I think a lot of um, companies uh, do do play on that uh, history and nostalgia and the fact that it's a, a slightly more uh, fancy, slightly more... Uh, marketable term than the word cabin is probably the reason why we've seen it used so broadly across uh, all different categories of um, accommodation on board cruise ships. Uh, look, I mean, if you look at the original use of the word and the fact that it really did refer to the the top top class, first class um, cabins on board the ship, uh, you really couldn't consider an inside cabin with no windows or even an ocean view as a stateroom um, on board modern day uh, cruise ships you really would be looking at the the top level balcony um, cabins with uh, very ample space perhaps those ones that have the the um, additional space for a lounge area and maybe even an in-cabin dining room those would be your staterooms but of course the term is just so broadly used now uh, for marketing purposes that it has become sort of interchangeable with the word cabin and uh, fewer companies are willing to own uh, the the nautical uh, term cabin anymore so that's uh, pretty much the answer to your question Gary uh, I know you did send us a few other queries there about um, some different topics and we will look into those to include them in future editions but thanks so much once again for your support so that's all we have time for in this week's edition of the Big Cruise Podcast Barry will be back with me next week we are I know we've said this each week for the last three weeks but we are very hopeful uh, that we'll be back to our usual transmissions again uh, sorry to have uh, uh, subjected you to my my uh, ramblings for the last uh, uh, half an hour or so but um, hopefully we'll be back and able to provide you with uh, the maritime history and cruise news in person uh, together uh, once again next week so thanks again for listening if you are interested in anything uh, else that uh, might be happening out there in the cruise world check out the big cruise podcasts website and social media pages you can also check out my youtube channel at uh, chris frame official which is uh, the channel handle there on youtube uh, if you want to see some videos about the uh, latest news around the cunard naming uh, of uh, queen anne and also um, some backlog of history videos that we've got there that cover things from from the Great Depression, uh, World War II, and the ocean liners used during the uh, cruising shutdown. So until next week, stay safe, uh, stay happy, and we hope to see you on board. That's all for today. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Until next time, bon voyage. up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com 
Hi, this is Paige from Giggly Squad, and I want to talk to you about Splash Refresher and my water intake. Okay, so you guys obviously know that I'm a hydrated girly, but sometimes when you drink that much water, it starts to just taste bland, and you're just like, I need something to spice it up. That's why I love Splash Refresher. It has zero sugar, zero calories, and it's a splash of sweetness, and they come in five different flavors. They're so good wild berry acai grape pineapple mango lemon and mandarin orange my favorite is the wild berry because i just i just love a berry so if you're like me and you're drinking water all day then try splash refresher it's going to absolutely change your water game and it's good for you imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt now imagine them getting even softer over time that's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.